The accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba presents the 23rd College Football Hall of Fame season of Fighting Irish Preview. And now, the Bandito's fresh May daily kickoff with your host, Phil Houck. Last Saturday, Ian Book and Chase Claypool hooked up on four touchdown passes to tie a school record. And a big-time connection between the two stars is unmistakable. Seven-yard crossing route. Touchdown pass number one. Mismatch coverage by a linebacker, 47 yards. TD pass number two. A three-yard in route. TD pass number three. And a back shoulder grab from 20 yards out. TD pass number four. Three of them came in the first half. The last one on the first drive of the second. And the Irish had put an early end to the Navy midshipmen because the route was on. To infinity and beyond. Hewitt to Snow, Hanratty to Seymour, Theismann to Gatewood, Quinn to Samarja, Clausen to Tate, Kaiser to Fuller. Add to that honor roll, Book to Claypool. Another great quarterback-receiver connection enters Irish lore. And post-game, the two stars sang each other's praise. Ian Book on Chase Claypool. You know, it's starting to show on Saturdays because of how hard he's working during the week in practice. You know, he's taking the next step, uh, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday in practice. Um, not only going out there and just working hard every day, but being a leader, too. And that's excelled his game a ton. Chase Claypool on Ian Book. I think trust is a big thing. Um, I think he fully trusts me now. Not that he didn't before, but he knows exactly... Uh, where to put the ball and chemistry, like I said. You know, he's throwing throwing the ball up and giving me a chance to make a play, and uh, I'm happy that I'm able to make some plays for him just to build that trust a little more. After a devastating loss a few weeks ago, the Irish have regrouped and are playing their best football of the season. And a special connection between two great players has opponents scrambling to find a way to stop Ian Book to Chase Claypool. Banditos with three Fort Wayne locations, Waynedale, Georgetown, and Glenbrook Commons. Banditos is fresh made daily. Now, stay tuned for Fighting Irish Insight from America's foremost authority on Notre Dame football, Tim Priester, senior editor of irishillustrated.com. After these words from Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, Sheer McCulloch Auctioneers, and Coors Light, the official beer of Saturday morning. This is Fighting Irish Preview. The University of Notre Dame exemplifies dedication to hard work, integrity, and personal values which result in success in the classroom and on the football field. The professionals at Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like Notre Dame, know the same dedication, and their experience and ability provides peace of mind. Combining local expertise with access to national and international experts through their affiliation with BDO, the fifth largest accounting firm in the world. Tax planning, tax compliance, auditing, business valuation, and estate planning. The full-service accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like the Irish, has what it takes to help you achieve success. Located in Fort Wayne near Jefferson Point, Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba proudly supports Notre Dame football and congratulates all those who are a part of the greatest tradition in all of sports. Go Irish! This is Art Salzburg. I don't endorse everybody, but I've found a company that I think provides a great service. 
The company is Shearer McCulloch, and what they do is targeted specifically for seniors, people who may be thinking about downsizing and are overwhelmed by the thought of what it's going to take. Shearer McCulloch will pack you up, move you, and then sell your house and everything that's left. Now that's the most comprehensive relocation service anywhere, and what I call in sports terms covering all the bases. Sharon McCulloch uses an international auction platform to make sure your possessions are seen by the right buyers. They're looking to get top dollar from people who have an interest in the special treasures you've collected over the years. Sharon McCulloch is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and highly recommended by leading retirement communities and law firms. If Sharon and I decide to make a change in lifestyle, we'll be calling Sharon McCulloch at 441-8636. That's 441-8636. We trust them, and we know they'll make things easy and profitable. Coors Light presents a word from Kirk Herbstreet. It's Saturday morning, and that means it's time for college football. It means your fridge is filled with Coors Light. It means last night's pizza is this morning's breakfast. And washing it down with your first Coors Light of the day is worthy of an ah. It's Saturday morning, and it means showers are optional. Make Saturday mornings even more chill with a fridge full of Coors Light, the official beer of Saturday morning. 2019 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Halk. Tim Priester, a dominant performance by the Irish last week. And, you know, as I said to to folks around me post-game, Notre Dame kind of did to Navy what Michigan did to Notre Dame uh, last month. And we had all expected a close game. But in hindsight, did we underestimate Clark Lee's defense and how devastating team speed can be on the option offense? Yeah, well, we did say if Notre Dame won the line of scrimmage, that would change everything for Malcolm Perry, the quarterback. And then, you know, the three turnovers within the first, I don't know, whatever, 20 minutes or so, Notre Dame converted that into 17 points. So, uh, you know, I'm trying to cover my tracks here. <laughs> yeah, th- there's no doubt. Notre Dame dominated the football game, and you're right. Clark Lee's defense was ready for uh, Malcolm Perry. They were ready for the fullback. And then usually you, you expect a little bit of give, you know, with the pitch to the slot backs. I'm not sure that it's a great year for Navy slot backs, but still, just the deception of your offense, you would expect something to to give there. And Wusu <laughs> Koromoa and Kyle Hamilton were – were uh, covering that that play that pitch. So, uh, yeah, it was great. Uh, fantastic defense. Uh, offense capitalized on everything, and and Ian Book looks like uh, the Ian Book that we expected. Yeah. Well, we'll talk a little bit about him and his uh, and his pal Chase Claypool as well. Uh, but I wanted to point out that Navy now in two years as with Clark Lee as the coordinator has scored a total of three points in the first half of the games against Notre Dame. Now, one of those players that terrorized Malcolm Perry forced two of the fumbles, Khalid Kareem, typical fashion. He was really dominant, uh, even had a pass breakup, a couple tackles for loss. On the season, he leads the Irish in tackles for loss and sacks. You know, I feel like maybe he's been a little underappreciated in general by the public. Is he the defense's most valuable player? It's it's really funny that you should say that, Phil, because we're just starting to compile um, during the preseason Irish Illustrated rated players one through uh, ninety or eighty nine, and we're going to rate the top players of the year. And Chase Claypool is the best player on the team. There's no doubt about that, but. Khalid Kareem has been really, really good defensively. I think early in the year, everyone was looking for sack numbers with him and O'Quara, but he's been solid every step of the way. And you can, as we say, you can hurt him, but you can't injure him. He leaves 
the field several times uh, per season, even more last year, but always comes back in the in the same game. He's been really good. Uh, he's a warrior. He's a guy that they can count on consistently. And I think he has been the best and most consistent defensive player. Yeah, and like you said, I, I am also amazed by how impervious he seems to be to uh, injury. Uh, and, and the forced fumble numbers for Notre Dame, now he had two last week. Notre Dame has 27 forced fumbles this year. That is tops in the nation. Now on the offense, what else are we going to talk about? Chase Claypool ties a school record with four touchdown catches. That tied Maurice Stovall's 2005 record. But I've got to nitpick a little. Tim, for the third straight week, it's been the quarterback leading the rushing parade. And last week, that was just 31 yards by Ian Book. 105 yards total rushing by the Irish on the ground. Those kind of numbers make me nervous. Should I be? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, anytime you can't run the football consistently, it's not a great thing. And Navy has dramatically improved uh, against the run. They gave up 5.1 yards per carry last year and just 3.2 this year. But it's still Notre Dame's offensive line and Navy's defensive front, and they should be better. I think part of it is, I mean, it's always a combination. Certainly the offensive line isn't getting enough push, but they don't really have a standout running back. The only real natural running back back there is Sebo Flemister, and he just gets, you know, infrequent opportunities to contribute. And when he does, he's usually pretty good, but he needs to be more consistent in practice to get more reps in the game. But Tony Jones, if Tony Jones has room to maneuver, he's pretty good. Otherwise, he's not going to create a lot on his own. And Jafar Armstrong just hasn't, he just hasn't hit his mark yet coming off the injury. Yeah, and Tony Jones, uh, some tremendous uh, uh, blitz pickups. Uh, so he contributes in other ways. Uh, and this offensive line has kept Ian Book clean, only 13 sacks allowed this year. Uh, but the run blocking uh, continues to concern me and the, the running backs. Now, Tim, a lot has been made of Ian Book's improved performance since the Michigan game last week, 14-20, 284 yards, five touchdowns. Uh, seems more comfortable in the pocket, and we saw him deliver two pinpoint deep balls last week. And this week, Brian Kelly mentioned an adjustment in the way they practice that may be responsible for some of that improvement. What is the story? Well, it sounds good anyway. I, you know, when a, when a guy improves, but you know, you have to trust what what he's telling you in terms of what they're doing in practice. And it's to, to simplify, as opposed to having a coordinator behind the line of scrimmage, feeding him plays, and uh, you know, which is atypical of what he would do in a game. They were signaling plays in. He didn't know what play they were going to call. He had to adjust on the fly at the line of scrimmage just to simulate a game situation a little bit better. It sounds good, uh, and, and I understand why that would be uh, a positive and would help him advance his game from, from where it's been. I also just think that it's a matter of confidence when, when Ian Book's a confident football player and believes in himself you know, believes in his abilities. Uh, he's a lot better as far as pocket presence. There wasn't a lot of pressure on him, so it's a little bit easier to have pocket presence. But there's no doubt when things are collapsing a little bit, he's a little bit more patient. He's not jittery in the pocket, and at least not like he was. And he's he's played really well since that game-winning drive against Virginia Tech. He has indeed, and that had to be where that confidence started getting built. And, you know, credit Chip Long, Tommy Reese, and, of course, Brian Kelly for finding the right buttons to get Ian Book feeling more confident. This topic has gone back and forth over the last six months, Tim. Where does it stand now? Will Ian Book return for another year? And if he does, 
won't the Irish have a real long jam at quarterback? Yeah, I, I mean, I think at this point um, he doesn't have a whole lot of options, and he will return. Um, and I think for the benefit of hitting the ground running next year, that's uh, very beneficial for Notre Dame. Yeah, it will complicate things a little bit further. It's going to force Phil Dracovic to uh, make a decision whether he's um, ready to uh, to move on and get a better situation. Although he would have to sit out next year if he were to if he were to transfer, so. Um, it does put him in a bit of a bind. He would have to sit, basically sit for three years before having a shot at the starting quarterback job. And by that time, in addition to Drew Pine coming in next year uh, with Brendan Clark, um, by 2021, you would have Tyler Buckner coming in, and that's a guy that Norton's really high on. So um creates a bit of a log jam, and I know that there are people that aren't happy with what Ian Book can do. and. They say there's a ceiling on what he can do, but he also understands things and can execute things better than anybody at the, the quarterback position on the roster. Well, the way he's playing right now, uh, you know, I, yeah, I want him back. Uh, so, Tim, we think Ian Book comes back, and last week Cole Komet indicated he was coming back. Unlikely that Aloe Gilman comes back. Uh, and he is having another good year. Gilman really having a good year. But give us a quick rundown on how the Irish might look in 2020 with these guys coming back. Well, it's going to be a pretty veteran team. Of course, you lose Kareem, who's the defensive MVP, and Aquara, who's always a threat even when he's not making plays. But uh, And Gilman, of course, and Elliott, and Pride. So, uh, I mean, there's some fairly significant losses there defensively. Uh, but, you know, they're deep at defensive end. They're still productive at defensive end, even without Dalen Hayes and Okwara. And Dalen Hayes is coming back. Uh, so that's real positive. Interior defensive line, all intact. Offensive line, all intact. Uh, you lose Claypool, the, the best player on the team. But you probably get Kevin Austin uh, back into the groove and get Javon McKinley to come back for fifth year. You lose Chris Fink. Uh, but you have Lawrence Keyes there and Braden Lindsay. So uh, your tight ends are coming back. I mean, it's still a pretty veteran team. You're losing some some really good players, some players that have significantly contributed to 30 wins, at least up to this point in the last three years. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, when you consider uh, all the proven talent coming back, they're going to be in a pretty good situation next year, especially if you had your, your trigger man at quarterback. Yeah, your quarterback and your offensive line intact. Uh, that's a really good place to start. But some losses on that defensive uh, side of the ball, without a doubt. Uh, that season will start on August 29th in Dublin against Navy and will feature a game also next season against Wisconsin on Lambeau Field. And on November 7th, 2020, fans look forward to Clemson coming to South Bend. Tim, the number 16 ranking still for the Irish in the CFP ratings. Uh, a major bowl game for the holidays. That hope is kind of fading. So where does a 10-2 and two fighting Irish team end up? Well, first of all, if they win out, I mean, there's going to be some teams ahead of them losing, so they'll have an opportunity to move up a little bit from number 16. But will it be enough to get into the top 10? It seems a little bit unlikely now, especially since anything Notre Dame does against Boston College, which is 5-5 five and five and a a four and six Stanford team won't be given uh, given a whole lot of respect. So, at ten and two, where, do, where does Notre Dame end up right now? It looks like the Camping World Bowl, uh, the Old Champ Sports Bowl, I believe, December twenty eighth in Orlando. 
an opponent from the Big 12. That could be Baylor. If Baylor were to lose again, it could be Iowa State. It could be Oklahoma State. Probably one of those three schools. Okay, well, uh, Florida in late December doesn't sound all bad, so uh, I'm okay with that. Now, Tim, Senior Day festivities at Notre Dame, uh, some of those guys include Chase Claypool, Chris Fink, Khalid Kareem, Trevor Rulin, Jalen Elliott, Asmar Bilal, always an emotional day. You know, I can only imagine what it would feel like to walk out on the field as a player the first time, let alone walking out on the field for the last time after four seasons. Uh, this group of seniors has has seen some lows, and some real lows, and some highs. Recount a bit the journey these players have been on starting in 2016. Well, guys, like I mean, the true seniors experienced that 4-8 and eight season. And, you know, you can imagine there's a few guys thinking during that season, they're wondering if they made the right decision. But wholesale changes in the coaching staff, wholesale changes, really in Brian Kelly's approach with his team, his players, uh, and things turned around 10 and three, 12 and one, currently eight and two with a great chance of being 10 and two. That would take them to 32 and six heading into a bowl game. If they come out of this 33 and six, I mean, that's about as uh, great of a turnaround as Brian Kelly ever could have expected. There was a lot of talk at that time of fire Brian Kelly, fire Jack Swarbrick, People really don't realize what a firing uh, does to a program, the mass wholesale changes, the starting from scratch. It really unsettles the entire program. Sometimes you have to do it. I get it. And Jack Swarbrick realized that that, that one season with Brian, Brian Kelly was not the time to do that. Now, there were some changes that they both felt needed to be made, and they made them, and that senior class is definitely going out on a high note. Yeah, 30 and 6 since that 4 and 8 season and and in an odd sort of way you have to credit that 4 and 8 season I think for uh for 30 and 6 since then it really motivated this team you hear it over and over again. Tim, okay, it's that time again and in the spirit of Thanksgiving holiday coming up. It's our newest feature started last week. It's the be thankful you're not a fan of And last week it was Tennessee, who has had seven coaching changes in 12 years and no 10-win season since 2007. And this week, Tim, be thankful you are not a fan of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. It wasn't that long ago Nebraska was competing for championships year in and year out. They have a rabid fan base. But, Tim, that program is struggling. It, it really is, and and now you, I mean you can look back, and Bo Pelini won fifty seven games in his last six years, and that wasn't good enough, and uh, that was followed by the Mike Riley era six and seven, nine and four, but then four and eight, and then on to Scott Frost, who just hasn't been able to turn it around four and eight, and uh, I think there are a couple games under five hundred at this point in the season. Now it's been tough, and that is a Really, really proud uh, tradition there. Having been there when Notre Dame came to visit, it's a very classy group of fans that treats the opponent, or at least they treated Notre Dame with great respect. So I had a great uh, admiration for Nebraska and uh, going into Memorial Stadium a few years back. But, boy, they're struggling, and they can't seem to turn around. In a conference where, you know, the Minnesotas of the world have have risen, and it's early in the Scott Frost era, but – Boy, they've really struggled here the last uh, five seasons. Well, you would think they would have a, a really good uh, road 
to uh, to plow in that Western Division of the Big Ten, but 23 losses in their last 35 games, seven straight seasons without 10 wins. The last time they were ranked in the top 10 was 18 years ago, and the last time they finished ranked at all was 2013, and that year they finished 25th in just one poll. There just has not been much joy in Cornhusker land for a really long time. So, folks, be thankful you're not a Nebraska fan. And next week, another blue blood that has fallen on hard times. Thanks, Tim. Coming up, it's the all-time Irish hero. Key to an Irish victory, injury report, and the world-famous Irish Illustrated prediction. And during the break, it's the Fighting Irish Fact of the Week, brought to you by our friends at Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba. This is the 337th edition of Fighting Irish Preview. Shine into my room. Treat each house as if it was your own. Our mission statement at Bushy's Windows, Doors, and Remodeling. Hi, I'm Jim Bushy. At Bushy's, we're proud of our home improvement products that we offer, and we are even more proud of the award-winning installers who will come to your home. Right now, take advantage of our 12-month 0% interest payment plan, and estimates are always free. So call Bushy's at 456-1247, stop into our showroom, or check out Bushy'sFW.com. Bushy's Windows, Doors, and Remodeling. Your clear choice. Your clear choice is Bushy's. Your clear choice is Bushy's. The Fighting Irish Fact of the Week is brought to you by our friends at the accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba. Chase Claypool's four touchdown catches against Navy tied the all-time school record that was set by Maurice Stovall in 2005. After the game, Claypool reported to the media that he once scored 10 touchdowns in a game when he was in the 8th grade. Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba is a full-service accounting firm dedicated to providing personalized service and professional guidance for a wide range of personal and business needs. Call them today. Hey, I'm Kirk Herbstreet, and I watch college football like it's my job. It is your job. I know, but sometimes I like to get out of the booth and chill. Here, have a Coors Light. Thanks. So, where was I? You're on my couch. In my spot. Oh, is this your spot? It's a nice spot. Great view. Make Saturday mornings even more chill with a fridge full of Coors Light, the official beer of Saturday morning. 2019 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Houck. This is Fighting Irish Preview. Boston College visits the number 16 Irish this week. TV coverage on NBC starts at 2.30 p.m. South Bend time. Kickoff is at 2.41, and it's now time for the all-time Irish hero, brought to you by the Marina at Lake Gage. Chrischraft, Mastercraft, and Premier Pontoons, we share your boating passion. And we now continue our series on the great defensive players of the last 60 years. Last week, consensus All-American defensive back Shane Walton. This week, one of the most decorated defensive players in Notre Dame history, Manti Teo. After a stellar high school career in Hawaii, in 2008, Manti Teo was one of the most sought-after players in the country. Charlie Weiss won the recruiting battle for him, and by the third game of his freshman year, Teo became a starter. He finished that season 
with 63 tackles. His sophomore season, he led the team with 133 tackles. And again, he led the team his junior year with 128. And then in 2012, his senior year, it was a magical season in many ways. The Irish went undefeated through the regular season and played for a national championship. Teo was out front as a leader on and off the field. When all was said and done, he was awarded everything this side of the Heisman Trophy. The Maxwell Award, the Benarek Trophy, the Nagurski Trophy, the Butkus Award, the Walter Camp Award. And he did come in second in the Heisman voting. Tim, we talked about it frequently on the show in the past, but I'll ask it again. Was Manti Teo the best linebacker in Notre Dame history? You know, I would have to, I don't think we'd have to mention Bob Crable in that conversation. He was such a dominant player. Um, you know, the game was a lot different than the, the middle linebacker was set up to, and it was a, a much, uh, it wasn't nearly as wide open of a game. So I would include Bob Crable there. But yeah, I think you could certainly make an argument for Manti Teo, and I think that's what I said last time, and I, and I would stick with that. Not only a great player, but as great of a leader as you can imagine on that 2012 team. Uh, he certainly deserves that. And when you you know when you say runner up at the Heisman Trophy, I think that pretty much says it all. No doubt, Teo was a transformative player. There's no doubt about it. Unusual in many ways, and uh, just just a great player to watch. As a member of the San Diego Chargers, he played well when healthy and was named a team captain of the Chargers in 2016, but he suffered a torn Achilles tendon in the fourth week, then went on to play another two years with the New Orleans Saints. Manti Teo, another Marina Lake Gage all-time Irish hero. The Marina Lake Gage, we love boats, and it's now time for the Aspen Mortgage Key to an Irish victory. Tim Boston College is 5-5, another team that the Irish face that had last week off. In their last action, they lost to Florida State at home, 38-31. to The only common opponent they have faced is Louisville, who they lost to in Week 6 on the road, 41-39. to Steve Adazio is now in his seventh season leading the Eagles, and his team this year has been like a tale of two cities. Best of times on offense, worst of times on defense. BC is 12th nationally in total offense, and most of the damage they have done is on the ground. They have averaged 282 yards rushing per game. The star is six foot, 250 pound junior running back AJ Dillon. Dillon is the grandson of former Notre Dame All American and College Football Hall of Fame inductee Tom Gatewood. He has scored 13 touchdowns and is third nationally with 1,451 yards game. Sophomore David Bailey is another big back at 6'1", 245, and he has rushed for 765 yards on the year and another seven touchdowns. At quarterback, the Eagles are now led by 6'1", 220-pound sophomore Dennis Grizzell, who took over in Week 6 due to an injury. He struggled throwing the ball in his first few appearances, but has been improving. In his last action against Florida State, he hit on 20 of 29, good for 227 yards and two touchdowns. He has two top receivers. One is a tight end, Hunter Long, with 21 catches, good for 411 yards. And the other is 6'1 junior, Kobe White. White has 22 catches that have gone for 363 yards and five touchdowns. 
Defensively, Boston College ranks 128th out of 130 teams in total defense and 98th in scoring defense, giving up 32 points and 486 yards per game. Junior linebacker Max Richardson has been a tackle machine with 95 and leads the Eagles with three and a half sacks and 14 and a half tackles for loss. But overall in the season, BC has only totaled 11 sacks. BC has been particularly vulnerable against the pass. They've allowed an average of 302 yards per game. That ranks 125th in the nation. In the turnover categories, BC has protected the ball well, only losing four fumbles and five interceptions. On the other side of the ledger, BC has picked off nine passes. Tim Priester's The Numbers tell a story of a powerful but one-dimensional offense and a defense that has struggled, especially against the pass. What is the Aspen Mortgage key to an Irish victory? Well, their, their defense is awful, Phil. It's the worst tackling team that I've uh, studied on film this year. They're really, they're really bad. And Max Richardson, their their linebacker is really, really good, but their secondary, they're giving up more than 300 yards passing per game and have missed uh, an incredible amount of tackles with no distinguishing player on the defensive line. The running game, uh, it is that it is truly a, a one-two punch with Dylan and Bailey. And I like what Grossell has done. His his completion percentage is kind of shaky, but it's because he hangs in the pocket and will make the throw. But, you know, I think the key for a Notre Dame win here, Boston College is going to get their rushing yards. I mean, that's kind of a given. If you don't let them beat you with the pass, which they shouldn't, but they could, they're capable of that, uh, Notre Dame wins this football game pretty easily. All right, don't let them beat you with the pass. That is Tim Priester's Aspen Mortgage key to an Irish victory. And Tim Priester, who then is this week's Aspen Mortgage key player for the Irish? Yeah, I think it's going to be a big day passing for Ian Book, and that probably beats Chase Claypool. But let's just be a little little different here. I think I think either Cole Komet or Chris Fink. I'll go with Cole Komet. I think he has a big day, maybe scores a couple touchdowns through the air as it's an, another big passing day for Ian Book. Well, Cole Komet was kind of quiet last week, so that makes sense that uh, that he would make some noise this week. Cole Komet is your Aspen Mortgage key player this week. Aspen Mortgage. For all your mortgage needs, call 486-LOAN. And it's now time for the Injury Report, brought to you by Indiana Physical Therapy. Your choice for physical therapy now with 19 Indiana locations. Tim, how do the Irish stand health-wise going into the BC game? Well, we know about the loss of Aquara and Hayes and Hainsey and Kramer, the frontline guys. Uh, this week, Shane Simon, uh, knee injury. He'll be out for the rest of the year. They're hoping to get wide receiver Javon McKinley back who was in a boot last week. A couple of things to keep an eye on. They're kind of beating up an interior defensive line. Not in the starting lineup, but the backups, Jacob Lacey with a, a shoulder and Jason Adamiola with, a, with an ankle injury. Uh, so keep an eye on that. It's not a great week against Boston College's offensive line, which is very good in the running backs. Uh, not a great week to be banged up in the middle of your defensive line. Okay, thanks, Tim. And that is the Indiana Physical Therapy Injury Report. And it's now time for the world-famous Irish Illustrated prediction, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. Tim Priester, when it comes to Boston College, I always say, remember 1993. So, Vegas says the Irish by 20. What does America's foremost authority say? Yeah, and remember 2002, Phil. Also, Notre Dame started out 8-0 under Tyrone Willingham and fumbled, I think, seven times. I don't know that they, they didn't lose all those, but I think they fumbled seven times and lost that game 21-14. You know, Notre Dame's clearly better. Uh, over under a 64, I think that's a little high. I think ultimately 
it ends up being under that number. And I don't have any specific reason for calling it as close as I'm about to call it, other than this is a really big game for Boston College. It's senior day for Notre Dame, which can sometimes be a little bit uh, iffy for the Irish, not so much under Brian Kelly, maybe previous years. But I think Boston College will be, will be tough. It's a really big game for them. Steve Adazio is a tough coach, and his team plays accordingly. Uh, but they don't have enough. I have Notre Dame 37, Boston College 23. 37 to 23 in favor of the Irish. That is Tim Priester's world-famous Irish Illustrated prediction. Tim, I expect the offense to continue to operate efficiently, and that's going to get you five touchdowns. Boston College will batter their way to a few of their own, but not enough. The Irish finished their second straight season of defending the house, and it's a happy senior day. Notre Dame 35, Boston College 21. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Phil. Go Irish, and thanks for listening to Fighting Irish Preview. Special thanks to Jim Shovelin, Art Salzberg, and studio producer Adam Schenkel. Fighting Irish Preview is the copyrighted property of Judge Phil Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.